Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to The Truth. I'm your host, the one you love the most, Niall Hessen, back with a brand new episode here on The Truth. Back with my boy, AJ Ponciano. AJ, how are you doing here today? I'm doing good, Niall. How are you? Doing great as well. We got week 10 Thursday night special here. It's hard to believe that we're officially through the halfway point of the season. Nine weeks in, nine more to go here. Before we can go ahead and take a look at the matchup in week 10, though, between the Panthers and the Bills, an absolute thriller, to say the least. We're going to go ahead and take a look at the game before, I should say the week before, in week number nine for Thursday Night Football. As the Pittsburgh Steelers do beat the Titans at home 20-16, to the Steelers go to 5-3, and the Titans fall to 3-5. and And speaking of those Titans, they had Will Levis, 22 for 39, 262, no touchdowns, one interception. Derrick Henry, 17 rushes for 75 yards and a score. On the receiving side, Kyle Phillips, leading receiver for the Titans, four catches, 68 yards. D-hop. Four catches, 60 yards as well. On the defensive side, Amani Hooker picked up six tackles to lead the team. Simmons, Gibbons, and Fulton, as well as Edmonds, all picked up four tackles as well. On the flip side for the Pittsburgh Steelers, Kenny Pickett, 19 for 30, 160 yards, one touchdown, and no interceptions. Jalen Warren, the leading rusher in this one, going 11 rushes, 88 yards. Najee Harris, 16 rushes, though, 69 yards, and a score as well. Deontay Johnson, seven catches, 90 yards, and a touchdown leads the way. Jalen Warren also picked up three catches for 25 yards as well. On the defensive side, Roberts and Hayward led the team there with four tackles apiece. Alex Highsmith picked up two sacks on the day for the Steelers. TJ Watt, as well as Marcus Golden, picked up a sack as well. And Kwan Alexander, the linebacker, picked up Will Levis to end the game here. So the Steelers do beat the Titans here at home. You know, the Titans obviously trying to carry some momentum with Will Levis there in the start number two. Steelers relatively healthy. Obviously, we're missing Minka in that game. But Steelers were able to get it done in this one. Any takeaways from this Thursday night match between the Titans and the Steelers? I mean, it was a pretty solid matchup. I think this is the expectation. I think a lot more people should have had Will Levis this game. So she came up coming in for that short week, coming in off of his first start, a really good start. It was either going to be a game like this where he didn't throw any touchdowns in interception. He decently well for 22 for 39 there, 262. So, I mean, obviously the Titans do trust him. I mean, almost 40 pass attempts in your second career game. It's pretty good. But it was either going to have a really good game or a really bad game. And it was on the worst end of those two. I mean, I can't be super surprised or upset about it. Uh, but the one thing I have noticed with Will Levison Derek Henry's had a lot more production since uh, yeah. Levis coming. Henry, 17 carries, 75 yards, a touchdown. Uh, also, Derek Henry's gained a lot of uh, more receptions or more involved in the passing game. Tajay Spears was more of that receiving back on his team. But Henry uh, out-received uh, Spears this week. He did have one less reception with three, but he also had more yards with 27 yards. So, I mean, fantasy purpose-wise, that's you know, that's great for Derek Henry. If you traded for him uh, during those low points, I mean, it's really paying off right now. But I got to give it to the Steelers' defense. I mean, they shut up, they shut down a really hot quarterback coming off a short week, right off that huge high. Uh, I believe it was four combined sacks. Uh, Highsmith having those two, and that TJ Watt having that one. Great seeing those two kind of come together again, like where we saw that peak last year, uh, how they were stopping basically any quarterback who's playing. And it was also nice to see Deontay Johnson get his first career touchdown by with Kenny Pickett. I mean, what, it was two years? It was like 600-something like days. Like, uh, Deontay Johnson, Johnson didn't score a touchdown. And I think the other big point is Jalen Warren. I don't know why, but they believe in Jalen Warren so much. He had five less carries with those 11, but he had 88 yards. Najee did have the touchdown there, though. 
having those 16 yards. But in the receiving game as well, Jalen Warren, three catches for 25 yards. Najee only two catches for seven. I mean, as a whole, yes, you could say Warren uh, outperformed Najee in this. I mean, he had more yards on less carries, uh, more scrimmage yards on less total touches than Najee. But it's like, on the other hand, Jalen Warren should be getting 11 touches when you have Najee Harris in the backfield. Yeah, it's kind of interesting to see that and how the Steelers were able to kind of – both offenses for that matter. I thought, you know, the Steelers' running game as a whole was very crappy. And that was one of the expectations going into this game was getting the running game going. You can make the same argument with the Titans. The Titans, it, it feels like, too, as you mentioned, with the change of pace at quarterback, sometimes that's what a, a team needs is a change of pace. And not to say that Tannehill wasn't delivering. Obviously, I don't think he was playing great, but – Getting a spark, especially the rookie, like Will Levis, it definitely opens up a lot more lanes. You know, obviously these guys want to make sure these rookies settle in very nicely. And Will Levis recently was named the starter for the rest of the season, and Tannehill will serve as the backup. You know, it is interesting you bring up the Steelers' point. I think the Steelers, they like Jalen Warren a lot. Actually, I know that they probably like him more than Najee, but they also know that Najee's skill level is worth or not worth giving up, right? So they kind of incorporated a two-running back system, and it really works nicely. Najee still averaged, what, four or five yards a carry, picked up a touchdown. Jalen Warren, the more agile running back of the two. If you can get a good running back duo there with those two to help establish Kenny Pickett and some of the other guys on the offensive side, I'm okay with it. I really am. I think some of these two running back systems can work, maybe not for fantasy purposes, but for the Steelers team as a whole. And as you mentioned for the Titans, I mean, Derrick Henry, 17 rushes, 70 yards and a score. Getting the ball going a little bit. I'd like to see Derrick Henry more out of, of the backfield a little bit, especially with Will Levis at the quarterback position. But I look at Will Levis's game last week, and I don't think it was bad at all. I thought it was fine. I thought it was solid. I mean, the one interception he had was at the end of the game. So you don't really want to count that to begin with. He didn't get in the end zone, though, which was a bit disappointing. But Titans offense didn't really get in the end zone to begin with. So, you know, look at Will's, Will Levis's performance. They obviously see something great in him. I obviously do because I said he'd be a Hall of Famer, and I'm going to continue saying that throughout his career. Um, but, you know, Will Levis, the way that he was able to play there, he's got a lot of guys as well. The only thing that does concern me is the fact that DeAndre Hopkins has had two straight games of four receptions. And I'm not saying that it's the biggest thing in the world, but DeAndre Hopkins is a prolific wide receiver. And he has only got eight receptions in two games, which I think is fine. But I'd like to see maybe Will Levis work to DeAndre Hopkins a little bit more, kind of like how Kirk Cousins did with Justin Jefferson. Just throw him the ball and let him do his, his work in open field. This Titans team, though, I think is much, much better with Will Levis at the quarterback position. Unfortunately for Tannehill, you see some of these older quarterbacks you know, get injured and then they really never get their spot back. Maybe they can mix Malik Willis in at times as well. I, I don't want to say kind of like how Taysom Hill, but if they were to do, do packages like that, I mean, that'd be very interesting to say because Taysom Hill is a very effective runner from the quarterback position as we see time and time again. Will Levis is a better runner than Taysom Hill, though. So the Titans are going to get creative. I mean, Derrick Henry's already thrown for a passing touchdown this season. Who knows? But I think if they can get both quarterbacks going right there, this Titans team can make a run at the postseason. And yeah, the Jaguars, I believe, are, what, 6'2", 6'3", uh, leading the top of the division. I still think there's room, not necessarily to catch them, but stick into a wild card spot. But it was a good matchup. It was better than I thought it would be. It, just, it was one of those matchups that was, like, solid, right? It wasn't too high scoring, too low scoring. It's just a good, solid matchup. And for both teams, particularly on the offensive side where they had their struggles, I thought it was huge. Now let's go ahead and move into this week's thrilling of a matchup between the Panthers and the Bears. Two keys to success for the Carolina Panthers. Go. So first two for the Panthers. The first one is Bryce Young needs to limit the mistakes. I don't know where I heard it, but I completely agree with it. It was some broadcast saying that if Bryce Young's able to uh, clean up a few mistakes, he has like only two or three per game, it seems like. And they're, they're usually in big moments. If he's able to clean those up, he should be perfectly fine. I mean, he's had – really saw games this past week against the Colts. 
I was it three pick sixes, two pick sixes, something like that. Kind of crazy, but he had three picks in the game, 24 for 39, uh, and a touchdown there. So he wasn't bad, but he wasn't good. I and mean, he wasn't given a whole lot of time either in that game. I watched it because my roommate's a Colts fan. But, and that goes to my second point. Give give him more time. I mean, we see what he's able to do when he has that time. Obviously, they're not the best. At, this team isn't going to be the best. There's a good chance that they do end up with the first overall pick this year. I mean, they, I know they traded – with the Bears for the first first overall pick just last year to get young, they may end up with the first overall pick, and who knows if they trade it for someone who wants Caleb Williams. But whatever they do with that with that pick, they gotta be able to get someone this offseason. They gotta go trade for someone, sign someone, but they just need to give him more time. Bryce Young is a really good quarterback. We saw it in college. He just has zero time. He has probably one of the lowest uh, times to get the ball out in the entire NFL right now. Yeah, so my first key to success is definitely Bryce Young. I said figure your shit out. But at the end of the day, like I'm kind of being a little bit harsh with Bryce Young, but that's the expectation, right? He was the number one overall pick. I'm still liking Bryce Young a lot, especially as a long career quarterback. But he does kind of have to figure it out and get back in the swing of things. This season has 1,375 yards, eight touchdowns, and seven interceptions. Only 17 carries for 117 yards. And I would expect him to carry the ball a little bit more. I mean, he's not like the flashiest runner, but I think he can do a good job with that. As you mentioned last week against Indianapolis, it was a rough game for him. 173 yards, one touchdown, a career high in interceptions with three, but did have five carries for 41 yards. Look, at the end of the day, Adam Thielen, that offense as a whole, all revolves around Bryce Young. And that's fair to say, but it's also like one of those things that I feel like I repeat on a consistent basis. It's going to continue to go through Bryce Young. And it's important to kind of have some building blocks, and especially going into a primetime situation at Chicago. Look, I've played in Chicago during this time period. It is not fun. It's going to be cold. It'll be windy, maybe some bad weather. Not the Carolina weather, but um, something that Bryce Young's going to have to adjust to. And for Bryce Young, he's able to figure his stuff out on the offensive side, especially in this week against a Bears team that isn't great. They're missing Justin Fields again this week. This could definitely be an opportunity for him to really turn the corner. I feel like I've said that every week. I'm waiting for Bryce Young to turn the corner, but this is kind of make or break it, at least for the season. That's obvious, but more than anything for Bryce Young and, and fantasy owners. And secondly, Miles Sanders. Where did you go, dude? Like, I remember Miles Sanders being, you know, one of the main running backs for the Carolina Panthers as a whole going into the season. Obviously, came over from Philadelphia. Um, and Chuba Hubbard has assumed that number one running back role. And Chuba Hubbard as well, I believe, is literally the number one running back listed on the roster. Last week had 16 carries for 58 yards. Miles Sanders only six carries for 39 yards. I thought Miles Sanders was going to be poised for a big season there in Carolina. I was excited to see what he was going to do. But ever since that Minnesota game, he's just kind of completely fallen off the radar. Seven carries for 32 yards against Detroit. Didn't play at Miami the night of bye week. Then two carries for no yards against Houston. Last week, six carries for 39, three for 22. I mean, I think – I'm not saying that Chuba Hubbard's a bad running back, but you got Miles Sanders for a reason, right? Like, why are we not using Miles Sanders? And Maybe if, if we like both running backs, why don't we use a two-running back system like the, the Colts have been doing as of later? Even how the Pittsburgh Steelers did last week against the Titans. I don't know. I think skill set-wise, Miles Sanders is too good of a running back to not be really integrated into this offense. Sure, this Panthers team isn't the greatest as a whole, but that, in my opinion, would want guys like veteran guys who've been on winning teams to step up to the plate. And I don't know. I think especially going out and getting Miles Sanders and then not really using him is, is kind of pointless. But if they're able to kind of use two running backs, I think it's more interesting, but I just haven't really seen that consistency yet. And that's one of the things that I'm not saying is, is a struggle for them because Frank Wright has never really done that. I mean, when Jonathan Taylor was there in Indianapolis with him, he would run the ball 35 times a game. So I understand Frank Wright's viewpoint on that, but I think it's something that this Carolina Panthers team needs because this Carolina Panthers team isn't like the Colts team that Frank Wright had there in Indianapolis.
Okay, for the Bears, your two keys to success. So two keys to success for the Bears. First one is let Tyler Badgett needs to get outside the pocket. He was really good against Saints once he did that. Now, the Saints' defense has been really bad against quarterbacks who get out of the pocket, but he's got a lot of success there. But he also it kind of hurt him at times also because of his decision-making uh, against the Saints where he, I believe he threw three interceptions that game. He kind of got baited into in a couple of those interceptions by uh, zone defense. So it's him getting out of the pocket, but also making better decisions once he gets out of the pocket because as a whole, I would say it was good, but he was also getting baited. Uh, he wasn't really trusting what he saw and just tried to get a ball where, he, where it probably shouldn't have gone. So let Badger get out of the pocket. I mean, I know the right side of their O-line has – uh, been really solid. I forgot the rookie they drafted this year, but he's been really good for them there. Uh, but also, but on the on defense side is get after Bryce Young. I mean, I mentioned this on Young's side where uh, they need to give him time, but this Bears defense needs to get after Bryce Young in this game. As I mentioned before, this uh, O-line has been really bad. The Bears defense wasn't the best, but they also weren't that bad against the Saints. Uh, they just it took the Saints to get five turnovers. So I mean, as a whole, they were getting a lot of chunk plays as well. Deontay Foreman uh, had 20 carries for 83 yards last week. A lot of big plays also on the uh, offensive side there. That's where they were having a lot of success. I mean, Darnell Moody averaged 16.4 yards per reception. Same with DJ Moore, 14.7. Robert Tanyan had only one catch, but 11 yards. Uh, Evans 9.5 yards per catch. Cole Komet 9.2. So it's those big chunk plays that where they've got a lot of success where they're pushing the ball downfield. This kind of shorter routes and all that, it wasn't really working out, but their run game was solid and their big chunk plays were really good. So they need to get back to that. So my first key is just going to be Tyson, I always say Tyler Badgett, Tyson Badgett's decision-making. I think you touched on it briefly as well. Tyson Badgett now is going to be playing once again this week for Chicago Bears. He's played in the last four games to start in the last three, obviously he came in for some, not mop-up time against Minnesota, but played against them that had three straight starts, Las Vegas at home, at the Chargers, and at New Orleans. This is a perfect opportunity for him to have kind of like a bounce-back week this week. I mean, last week, two touchdowns and three interceptions, as you mentioned, wasn't very great. He did have eight carries for 70 yards, which I thought was a bit interesting. Doubled his carry total from his previous career high. But going into this week, right, like his decision-making's got to be better. He has three touchdowns on the year and six interceptions. A one-to-two touchdown-to-interception ratio is not good at all. Tyson Badgett, he did show like some signs of kind of being like a next Brock Purdy. I believe he was a free agent from Shepherd University, if I'm not mistaken. So not one of those guys that came from a big time college or anything like that. But I think he showed some spurts of, of some stardom. Obviously, his legs are one of the main reasons why he was able to get into the NFL. Is he going to be as prolific of a runner as Justin Fields? No. But in the air attack, I mean, there's opportunity to have success. I mean, you got guys like DJ Moore, Darnell Mooney, even Cole Komet, who's really starting to establish himself more and more. And that's one of the things that I think really is important for having success here, right? Like I think, you know, being able to get those guys in the open space and sure you're not playing on a team like the San Francisco 49ers, like big Brock Brock is, but you know, being able to kind of have a hit or miss there is going to be huge. So the biggest thing is obviously getting the running game going, but also Tyson Badger's decision-making. He's able to limit the turnovers. He's got enough enough talent to really get some of his offensive players going and, and having more success there. And then my second key to success, I think you talked about it as well, but put pressure on Bryce Young. We've seen the pressure that Bryce Young has been receiving because the offensive line has been playing terribly. And as you mentioned, he has had like no opportunity to throw the ball. But that really just magnifies it that much more. 
you know, you look at this Bears team as a whole. Obviously, you recently got Montez Sweat, signed him to an extension. He had two tackles last week. Get him going off the edge, right? Especially those weaker tackles that the, the Panthers do have. Get him going off the edge. Get guys like TJ Edwards or Tremont Edmonds at the linebacker position sending pressure. Even guys like Eddie Jackson, Kyler Gordon in the secondary. Put pressure on Bryce Young and make him really – uncomfortable and that's what teams have done i don't want to say that bryce young never really was able to see pressure at alabama but bryce young also had one of the best offensive lines and the best one of the best teams in college football because he played for alabama now he goes on a, a worse team a worse offensive line and usually that's where a quarterback like bryce young would thrive but he's also a rookie so being able to put pressure on bryce young is going to just open up so many opportunities especially for really both quarterbacks that have been turnover heavy Finding ways to adapt that and overcome is going to be huge. So I think a lot of these younger guys they have on the defensive side, just getting a lot of pressure is going to be vital for the Bears to, to get the ball back and then obviously hopefully drive down the field and score points. All right, next, go ahead and go to the fantasy portion. Give me your must-starts. So I have two must-starts. My first one is going to be Cole Komet. As you mentioned, these last two weeks, he's really started to solidify himself. He's basically Badgett's number one target up to this point. Last week, he did have two touchdowns, six receptions uh, for 55 yards. And then the week before with the Chargers, I know it was a blowout, so it didn't really matter. But uh, Cole Komet, 10 catches, 79 yards. I mean, he's really been going to Komet. He's been feeding him a lot more. And also, this Panthers pass uh, defense has been solid as well. They haven't given a lot, a lot of yards up to this point. I believe the third fewest. Actually, but they've only allowed four, they've allowed 1,426 yards, but they have allowed 11 passing touchdowns uh, and only had five interceptions up to this point. Five interceptions is a bottom five, I want to say, uh, for turnovers or forcing turnovers there. And the next one, I'm going to go with Adam Thielen. I think Adam Thielen's been the most reliable uh, player on this team up to this point. I mean, he's basically been the only wide receiver option, maybe Hayden Hurst here or there. Or, uh, but with Going to Thielen, I mean, you're going to have a sure-handed wide receiver there. Thielen last week only had five catches, but he had a lot of targets, uh, and but not many yards on those five catches, only 29 yards. But again, the Colts were not – or, yeah, sorry, yes, the, the Panthers were not good last week against the Colts. But the week before that, I mean, Thielen had a pretty solid week as well. I think against the Texans, he – did he? I believe he led the team in receptions. Yeah, with eight receptions and yards with seventy-two. He's going to be the number one option here against the Bears' pass defense, who's allowed the second most yards uh, in the NFL with two thousand three hundred twelve yards. They've also allowed twenty uh, passing touchdowns, only six interceptions. So really bad ratio there. I think Thielen, if the if Young has time, I think Thielen could have a really good game. I've heard. I think that he could probably have ten plus receptions. I think he'll get a lot, lot, lot of the targets this week. Yeah, so my first player, obviously, is going to be DJ Moore. I mean, this is an expected one. But, you know, last two weeks have been a bit of a downfall for DJ Moore against the Chargers on Sunday Night Football. Only four catches for 55 yards last week at the Saints. Three receptions for 44 yards. Give credit to, obviously, the defense there for the Chargers and the Saints. But you look at some of the other games. He's had three games of eight receptions. In two of those games, he had eight receptions, 131 yards, and one touchdown against Denver for 27.1 fantasy points. And then the week after that, at the Commanders, I believe it was on Thursday Night Football, too, if I'm not mistaken, eight receptions, 230 yards, and three touchdowns. We know the big ball threat that DJ Moore is, and that's expected. Now, has his connection been there with Tyson Batchett? No. Do I think it will be? Yes. I think Tyson Badger is going to have the opportunity to kind of rebound a little bit and have more success managing the offense and winning the turnover battle, to be quite frank. I think DJ Moore is too good of a receiver to be having 
14 combined fantasy points at the wide receiver position in the last two weeks. That's one of the reasons why it does excite me a little bit to see what he's going to be able to do going into this week, especially in this matchup here. Not necessarily a favorable matchup against the Carolina defense, but a more of an opportunity. You know, being at home compared to being at L.A. and at New Orleans, being at home before going on the road for two, it's going to be important to really see how he's going to be able to, you know, utilize that offense there. Next, obviously, Cole Komet's another must-start. I mean, he's shown some signs of strength. He's shown some signs of weakness as far as fantasy value. 27.6 fantasy points against Denver. That included seven receptions for 85 yards and two touchdowns. At the Chargers, actually had 10 receptions for 79 yards. And last week, six receptions for 55 yards and two touchdowns. Really, since Badgett's been there, I mean, yeah, the offense kind of sucked against Minnesota and Las Vegas. But the two games that Badgett's also played there at the Chargers and at the Saints had a tremendous amount of success. Two other or one other home game that he, uh, the Bears did have against the Broncos, he had a good game, as mentioned, seven receptions, eight, five yards, and two touchdowns. And last Thursday night football that they played at Washington, he had a touchdown. So you look at matchups, you look at numbers. I mean, this is a perfect matchup here. Cole Komet obviously is going to be there for the future. Is he going to have the same established connection as Justin Fields? I don't believe so. But the two touchdowns with the six receptions and 55 yards last week really signaled to me that Tyson Badgett's going to get him the ball as much as possible. And then, yeah, the final one's an obvious one, but it's Adam Thielen. And the reason why I'm putting Adam Thielen on here is because he had a bit of a down week. He had five catches for 29 yards last week against the Colts. But he's shown, obviously, some signs of tremendous fantasy value. 28 and 28 points, weeks five and six. 31 in week three, 20 in week two. Like, he showed tremendous amount of success. Besides week one, where he had two catches for 12 yards, last week was his worst week. And he's been consistently over 15, sometimes even over 20, 25, you know, even 30. Adam Thielen is going to be a consistent guy for Bryce Young. You talk about settling the nerves on Thursday night football and getting the right swing of things. Adam Thielen is going to be your guy. So no panic there for Thielen. Okay, any must sits? So I have one. It's going to be Miles Sanders. Last week uh, was not good. Or was better than the week before uh, against the Colts. Last week he had a few more carries. He had uh, six carries for 39 yards. On the receiving side, three catches for 22. So not good. I mean, if you started him, you definitely weren't happy. But against a step in the right direction in comparison against uh, the week prior against the Texans, where I believe he had two carries for zero yards, and I don't believe he registered a catch either. But they have been doing the Chuba Hubbard a lot more, and I'm going to expect them to do that. I mean, I wasn't a big fan of Miles Sanders going over in the first place, but they're also going up against a Bears defense who has allowed the fifth least amount of yards up to this point, and a good amount of sample size with uh, with 220 uh, rush attempts against them. Against them. They've only left seven, 717 yards uh, in total and only four rushing touchdowns. If they go to Chuba more, uh, which I do believe they will, I think that they should. Chuba's younger. Uh, I think that he has a lot more upside than Sanders. I think I know who he is up to this point. But I'm going to say that they're going to keep on moving away from him. Uh, he got a little bit more production last week, but I just think that's a little bit I think that's more than what he's going to get this week, and I would just stay away from him up to this point. So I got three, technically. First one's going to be Darnell Mooney. I mean, last week, five catches for 82 yards, 13.2 fantasy points. But the weeks before that, really concerned. I mean, he had zero zero points, um, zero receptions in general at Washington last Thursday night football. He's had a couple of those in you know Tampa Bay and Kansas City. Look, he's a guy that's two up and two down, but he's also a guy that's not going to be two up as far as giving you, you know, consistently, you know, 20 points or zero, right? It's like 13 or bust, really, to be quite frank. And I think Cole Komet and DJ Morgan are the two guys that are really 
you know, going to be the utilized ones for the Bears wide receiver core. He's rostered in 28.7% of leagues. I was expecting more from him, but I just need to see some more consistency, especially going to this matchup here against Carolina to kind of see him have more success, put him in my lineup. Sure, he's gotten a little bit more uh, attempts or receptions, I should say, with Tyson Badge at the quarterback position, but still, I need to see at least another good week before I'm starting him. Next, we go with Bryce Young. He's been disappointed, to say the least. Last week, 9.02 fantasy points. We talked about that. I don't know, man. I just don't see this offense being so explosive, and I think Bryce Young's interceptions are you know, really going to bring his fantasy numbers down, especially if he loses. He's lost two fumbles this season. So matchup-wise, I'm shying away from Bryce Young as well. And then I'm just going to shy away with the Bears running backs. I think they did activate Khalil Herbert, at least open up his practice window, but he's still not on the depth chart, so I don't know his situation. But other running backs like Deontay Foreman and Roshan Johnson, it's really just been kind of a running back core. Like, it hasn't been really one solid guy, especially with Herbert on the IR. So I'm just avoiding all Bears running backs in general. I ended up to, uh, dropping Deontay Foreman in one of my leagues just because I'm like, I don't want to deal with it anymore. And who knows? I mean, that Carolina front isn't terrible as well, so... If they are going to have any type of running success, I think it's going to be out of the backfield. I just don't trust that just yet. So really those three running backs, um, and then obviously Darianton Evans or Travis Homer, which nobody has. So just running backs to the Bears in general, I don't expect big production at all. All right, go ahead and give me your sleepers. So two of my sleepers, I believe, were two of your must-sits. My first one's going to be Darnell Moody. Uh, Moody is more of the big play wide receiver there. As you mentioned, his he has – Really, he has some good upside, but his da- his downside can be really bad. Uh, I will give it though. Two weeks ago against the Chargers, yes, he only had the one catch for one catch for forty one yards, but that was also Badgen's first start, and he also threw two interceptions there. So a lot of those drives uh, kept on getting depleted by those interceptions. And just last week against the Saints, I got to see it first time myself. He was the big play guy that uh, Badgett was going to uh, in that time. He did have five catches, which was second most on the team for 82 yards, averaging 16.4 yards per reception. Uh, And if you look at the Panthers' defense, yeah, they allowed the third least amount of yards at this point, but they've also allowed 6.5 yards per attempt uh, with 220 attempts against them and also a very high completion percentage against them against that pass defense at 66.4%. I think that if Badgett and him are able to connect on a cute – few of those longer, deeper shots, I think that uh, Mooney could be a little bit sleepy here in your flex position uh, if you're in a deeper league or if you have guys on by and you need to be able to get a wide receiver. The next one's going to be Foreman. I know two weeks ago against the Chargers, it was a little bit more of a running, running back by committee there. Uh, he only had nine carries in that game for 34 yards, but they also lost by 17 have much control throughout the game so they kind of stepped away from the running game up to that point Badgett did have 37 pass attempts uh but with that time Foreman also led the team in rush attempts and yards uh but last week he completely cleared both of those marks I mean he was the number one running back in the system he had 20 carries for 83 yards averaging 4.2 yards per carry in that time and on the receiving and he's not much of a receiving threat for him in, so there isn't much upside there. But again, if you if you have guys on by need go someone, I do like him for this week, especially against this Pan- Panthers run defense, who's one of the worst in the league uh, up to this point, allowing just over a thousand yards, but also fourteen rushing touchdowns they've allowed. So if Foreman's able to get those touchdowns, which I believe he had two just a few weeks ago, or a three touchdown performance, I could uh, potentially see that happening here with the amount of uh, touch, rushing touchdowns. 
Yeah, so for me this week, I have two uh, sleepers, and they're actually going to be on the Carolina Panthers. First one, I got to go with Chuba Hubbard. Look, I mean, I think he's established himself clearly as the number one running back. He's rostered in 50% of leagues or 53% of leagues. So he's a guy that you can go up there and pick up. Yeah, he hasn't really broken the seal yet. I believe he doesn't have – he has one touchdown this season, which was at Miami, um, where 19 rush, 88 yards and one touchdown. But the biggest thing I look at with running backs is volume, right? Last week, 16 carries, four catches. That's 20 touches a game. I feel confident enough. Put him at least in my running back, too, even flex position. This week, especially with some inconsistencies, potentially with Bryce Young, I just don't know how I feel. Uh, or I don't know how I feel with Bryce Young. I feel more confident with Shuba Hubbard than I do with, you know, Bryce Young or many of the wide receivers, or at least consistency. And, I mean, Bryce Young has looked to him in the running game, regardless, in the passing game regardless. I thought with the two running backs that they had, Chuba Hubbard was out there more for, you know, the PPR purposes compared to Miles Sanders. So it looks like a win-win situation. And I'm really expecting maybe this to be the game where he gets in one or two more touchdowns and really kind of breaks the seal there and has success. And then secondly, I'm going to go with my guy Hayden Hurst. Look, I like Hayden Hurst a lot. Week one, five catches, 41 yards, and a touchdown, 15.1 fantasy points. has been quiet ever since. Yeah, two catches for 54 yards. But I know Frank Wright loves his tight ends. I mean, we saw there in Indianapolis just with tight end by committee, it seemed like. Um, but Hayden Hurst is a guy that's been on, you know, the Cincinnati Bengals has had a good amount of success. A guy that's getting a little bit up there as far as veteran status is concerned. But a guy that Bryce Young can really throw to. And one of the things I like about him is his downfield capabilities. He's averaged 11, 16, 27 yards per catch at times. And so he's going to be a guy that can be a big-time threat, especially when it comes to the red zone. I feel like Bryce Young only has eight touchdowns this season. He struggled to finish the, finish the job and get into the end zone. Hayden Hurst is one of those guys that can do that for him and really help him out tremendously and open up his game there. So I think there's going to be more of an emphasis, especially this week, on getting Hayden Hurst involved. And if you guys know me with these Thursday night specials, I love getting tight ends involved as far as sleepers are concerned on Thursday night games because typically they do get more involved as they go on. Okay, any busts? So I have DJ Moore. I would say if you have DJ Moore and you're able to put him in a flex position, I don't think he'll have a bad game. But I don't think he's going to have an explosive, like, big game that we're used to seeing every few weeks uh, with Badgett in comparison to having Fields. I think him and Fields are, have a really good connection, but I don't think it's, right, it's there yet, Badgett. Uh, against the Chargers, he did have four catches for 55 yards. But, again, that was a game where they passed a lot. Badgett's, I believe, what was that first start, I believe, uh, 37 pass attempts. So in 37 pass attempts uh, and 24 completions, only four more of them or five of them were to uh, DJ Moore. And then last week uh, versus the Saints, he wasn't he wasn't targeted heavily. Uh, Badgett also had 30 attempts there, 18 completions. And only three of those 18 completions were DJ Moore for 44 yards. Now, he is going up against the worst defense uh, as a whole, but the Panthers' pass defense, I know that I kind of went against it when I was saying Mooney, but Mooney's more that big explosive uh, play uh, player for this team right now, and DJ Moore has to be more that more reliable wide receiver, and I just don't really see that. Again, they've lost the third least amount of, third least passing yards in the NFL uh, they have given up a good amount of touchdowns out of the top five right there. They're tied with the Cowboys at both 11, but they are, but they don't give up many yards or many completions as a whole. So I would just stay, I would stay away from him. Uh, but if you have other options at your wide receiver position, I'd be fine. Or I would try to change it. But if he's able to be put into a flex position, I wouldn't mind it as much. 
So the, the only guy I'm going to go for a bust is just going to be Jonathan Mingo, the young man. You know, I think Jonathan Mingo's fine. He's rostered at 8.6% of leagues. Reminds me a lot of Quentin Johnson. I mean, he hasn't had that breakout game just yet. 10.2 fantasy points against Houston was his best game, and maybe that's why some people are expecting him to have his breakout game this week. But I just don't see it happening. You know, I think this Panthers offense is going to struggle, and really the offensive weapons in the passing game are going to be Adam Thielen and Hayden Hurst. So I just don't see a lot of opportunity for Jonathan Mingo to have success. Sure, maybe some of the guys that are typical must-starts would have bust performances for where they're at, but you know, this is one of those games I think it's just going to be a lot of level-headedness and like a lot of sharing the wealth like the Chiefs did against Miami when I think they had like nine, ten guys that received the ball. So I don't know. I think you might want to take a risk if you're really like dead last in your fantasy league and you're just having fun. Jonathan Mingo may go for 20 points or get two touchdowns, whatever. I just don't see it happening, especially this week. Okay, and then your game prediction. So I think this will be a pretty close game. I think that it will be kind of similar to last week where it's not going to be like an outstanding game, but it's not going to be the best game. I think it's going to be really boring at these last two Thursday night games, including this one and last week. I think it's going to be very similar. I have the Panthers winning this. I have them winning them 24-21. to 21. At some point, the Panthers need to win another game, and I feel like this is just going to be the game that's going to – uh, happen. I don't see the Panthers finishing with only one win. I see them two wins, maybe three. So they got to get a win somewhere, and I guess it has to be here. Bears are probably one of the worst teams that they have on their schedule right now. Yeah, I don't think this is going to be you know, a necessary thriller, to say the least. I do have the Panthers winning by three as well, this time 21-18. to 18. Just a weird score to have fun with it. But the bottom line is it's going to be you know a close game. I think the Panthers do squeak it out, but I feel like it's almost one of those situations, too, where like we expect the Panthers to, to win because, you know, they're too good to have one win. But, um, you know, this is maybe a game that Chicago's able to win as well. So who knows? I think the Panthers win. The bottom line is it's not going to be necessarily a game that I'm dropping everything to tune into, to say the least. Sorry, Panthers and Bears fans out there. I think a lot of America is getting behind that one. Anyways, guys, thank you guys for listening to another episode of The Truth. I hope you guys did enjoy it. If you guys did, make sure you follow The Truth on Twitter at The Truth as one to stay up to date with the latest information regarding The Truth, including podcast dates, podcast uploads, and other important information of value. Make sure you follow The Truth on Instagram and TikTok as well at the.tt.truth. We do an Instagram Live every Tuesday at 12.30 p.m. Eastern Time and highlight the highlight, or sorry, Put up the highlights and clips from those lives on TikTok and Instagram. And as always, thank you guys, as always, for listening. I'm your host, the one you love the most, Niall Hassan, joined once again by AJ Ponciano. Take care and good night.